Today we're wrapping up. Uh, this is not, has not been a ex- complete exposition of the book of Philippians. Obviously, we did not cover every verse and we did not cross-reference every verse, but we have done one chapter at a time. And so we're in chapter four. And next week we began a brand new series uh, called The Vine. We'll be unpacking John chapter 15 for four weeks, run up to Palm Sunday and then Easter Sunday. And then we've got some special stuff we're gonna be doing April and May. We're excited about the new series coming in April and May as well. So if you brought your Bible, turn with me, and I hope you did. If you didn't, in the pew Bibles there, uh, you can turn with me as well as in Philippians chapter four. We're gonna talk today about the joy of commitment. Now, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is kind of one of those days that, you know, you, you kind of make a recommitment, you know, not a recommitment, but you know, you, you should do something for your sweetheart or your, the person that you love the most and something of that nature. Deb and I, we stopped uh, celebrating this overrated uh, holiday. And so we just, uh, we, we do Valentine's Day all the time. That's what I told her. I said, why don't we just do it every day? You know, not just one particular day and a box of chocolates and all those kinds of things. And of course, she just smiled at me and says, that's not happening. But anyway, we, we, uh, we, we celebrate Valentine's Day every day. And so we, we uh, make the commitment to each other. But I have found that there's a lot of people that are just not committed. You know what I'm saying? They'll just, they'll just stop their commitment. They'll make a commitment for a short time. And I find that we, we find that a lot of the commitment or the less commitment of people's lives is that because they don't, they're not content in their own life. And so I want us to look at today's passage of scripture from the perspective of the joy of commitment. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Philippi in chapter 4, verse 10 through 23, we'll be studying today. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that, at na- that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned with me before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means and how to live in prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having an abundance and suffering need. Verse 13, very familiar, one that many of you can quote verbatim. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens or through him who strengthens me. Verse 14, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my afflictions. Verse 15, and you yourselves also, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel after I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent an offering more than once for my needs, not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am amply supplied and have received from Ephroditus that which you sent me, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus." Now to all, now to our God and Father, be the be the glory and forever and ever, Amen. Greet every saints, he says. Greet every saints in Christ Jesus, and the brethren who are with me greet you, and all the saints greet you, especially those in Caesar's household. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your 
spirit. Let's pray. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, Lord Jesus, be acceptable in your sight. God, as we unpack your word today, I pray, Father, that you do something miraculous in this place. Father, do your work. Let us walk away from this place more committed for gospel causes than ever before, more committed to the scriptures than ever before, more committed to the church than ever before. God, I pray that we walk away from here more energized and more on fire for the gospel than we've ever been before. And God, I pray that we will make that strong, solid, foundational commitment that your work will go forth and that we are blessed to be a part of this great endeavor called Kingdom Work. And Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you're about to do in this place and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray and the church said, amen. Commitment comes from true contentment. When we find contentment in Christ Jesus, we will be committed to finish the race strong. Contentment is a highly prized but elusive virtue. Though though it comes only by being rightly related to the Lord Jesus Christ, rightly related to God, and trusting his sovereign, loving, purposeful providence, people nevertheless find themselves, find themselves that they're not committed, cannot stay committed to uh, to the cause of Christ. They find they themselves being committed, trying to find all those virtues in financial power, money, possessions, power, prestige, relationships, jobs. They look it for freedom in all the wrong places. Folks, let me tell you something. We will find contentment when we surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Contentment, commitment is not made because we don't understand what it truly means and where where the power of the completion of our journey with Christ, where it comes from. The power of completion comes from being safe and content in Christ Jesus. That's what he said to the Colossians church, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, we find that contentment when we surrender to his lordship, let him have complete control of our lives. Today in this text, we will unpack some, today we will deal with this as we unpack uh, being content in Christ. And hopefully this will move us into understanding that a commitment can follow. Contentment takes takes place first and then commitment follows. And once we're committed, then we will be content. So it's a double-edged sword, if I may. You know, commitment in what, many of you ask. And I I know I get this question, and you do too, those of you that are Christ followers. What are we committed to? Are we committed to the local church? Yes. Are we committed to uh, our Sunday school class? Yes. Are we committed to our life group class? Yes. Are we committed to come to preaching? Yes. Are we committed to tithes and offerings? Yes. What are we committed to? We're committed to Christ first. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And once we're committed to that and we surrender to that idea, that uh, salvation, we commit to that, then contentment in every aspect, in our marriage, our work, our play, every aspect, contentment follows the commitment and commitment leads us to be content. Commitment in the full work of Christ, committed to the full disciple-making process of all the nations for his glory. Committed to the following the tr- God's true spiritual leadership and the vision that God has given the New Testament church. Folks, that's what we're talking about, is being committed to the vision that he has embarked on this church. Now, folks, let me just get clear off a spot here just for a second. 
Folks, I want you to know that the New Testament church that Christ died for, he may have different ideas of how we methods in which we get the gospel out, but the gospel should always be, pro, uh, always be proclaimed as inerrant and without error and infallible. It will change lives. Now, the way that we do that might change over the years. The way we do church is not the way we did church 25 years ago. And folks, we got to always be changing so that we can stay up to date in the methods of getting the message out. Thank God for the internet. We got people all over the world today that are worshiping, that are in dark, secluded places, but because of the internet, they can go online and worship in spirit and truth. Folks, if that had not happened, we would not be able to get the gospel around. Right now, 2.6 billion people need desperately to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a church like Fairburn, Georgia can be a part of that through its tithes and offerings and sending people around the world. But folks, we must be committed to constantly evaluating what do we need to do next to reach the most people for the gospel. Amen? Truly, it comes a liberating fact when we surrender to his lordship. When we don't have to do it our way. When we can just say, Lord, we're going to surrender to your lordship and do it your way, that's liberating, is it not? It's liberating that we have scripture that we can go to that will change, radically change people's lives when we proclaim it in a manner that they may hear it. Sometimes that might be through a banquet. That might be through a Super Bowl party. It might be through the preaching of the word like we're doing today. But folks, we need to explore every aspect to get this gospel out to this community. When we do that, it is a liberating fact when we commit to his will and his way that he has purposed for our lives. Now I want us to move over to the message truth. I want you to look at this little message truth that I've written for you. It's in your outline there, right under the, the header. It says, true contentment comes from three resources, the providence of God, the power of God, and the promise of God, and all are adequately sufficient for every demand of life. The providence of God, the power of God, and the promise of God, and they are completely sufficient to meet the demands of life. Now, folks, there is a vast difference between between a thermostat and a thermometer. A thermostat, what is that? It regulates the temperature inside the room or outside the room, right? It registers the temperature. A thermometer registers the temperature. The thermostat ga gauges that. It controls that. The apostle Paul, he was a thermostat. He was never up or down, he was always in, in his spiritual journey. He was never victim of the circumstances. He was always victor over the circumstances. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, when we look at this passage of Scripture, there are three things in setting up our outline for today. You see, Paul in verse, chapter, four, chapter 4, verse 11 says, I can accept all things. That means he was content with that. Look what it says in verse 11. Not that I speak from want. I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. We have a society today that's not content with anything, are they? They're, not, they're just not happy with everything. They want more. They want to make more money. They want to have more things. They want to have more cars. 
my next door neighbor. I love him to death. He is a dear friend. I love him. He's probably the best neighbor I've ever had. If you got to have a neighbor, he's the kind of neighbor you got. You know why? Because he's got every gadget you need to fix something. This guy's got more tools. I don't buy tools. Why? Because David's got all of them. I don't, I just go over there and say, hey, brother, can I borrow two? And he loads them to me. He says, oh, just, in fact of the matter is, he said, don't even come and ask me anymore. Here's the key to the house. Come get what you need. I said, man, praise the Lord. I went over there last night, had a steak and a baked potato. And, no, I didn't do that. But, but, but David, one thing about David, he struggles with this in his area. He's a very, 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 very successful banker in our community. And he's a great guy, but he is constantly buying things he's got a new car new truck new boat he's ordered him a new new truck he just had it just bought a truck last year why has he got a new one the i said did the floor mats get dirty you got to get a new truck or something he's constantly he's just not content and we we've talked about this he and i've had long conversations over coffee over this and i said david what is the problem? he said i don't know i just can't seem to get enough Paul's saying in this passage, I am content. I accept all things. In verse 13, he says, I can do all things. Not only can I accept all things, I'm content with whatever I have. I can do all things. And then he says, I can have all things. Verse 18, but I received, I have received everything in full. I have all things that I need. I have an abundance. I am amply supplied. I have received from Ephroditus what you sent me, a fragrant aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. Church, let me tell you something. If we follow the, the suit of the apostle Paul, realizing that we accept all things, things change, but we had accept that God is in control and, and know that God, that we can do all things and that we have all things that we need, folks. Let me tell you, when we accept that, that's where contentment comes and that's where our commitment will follow from there. The apostle Paul did not have to be pampered to be content. He found his contentment in the spiritual resources abundantly provided by Christ Jesus. Have you ever noticed how many people need to be be pampered have you ever noticed how many church people need to be pampered I think it's the pampering because they have a personal preference that they think they must have folks let me tell you something we don't need to be pampered we need to be motivated to be out there it's time for us to pull up our bootstraps and realize that we have a lost and dying world right here at our beck and call and we must be about the work I think when we find the three spiritual resources and joyful contentment that we all need, we will find the joyful commitment. And I think there are three readily deduced points of interest for us to consider today. Number one, we find those in the undeniable providence, uh, providence of God gives each of us to fulfill the great commandment. Providence, the protection and care of God. He protects us. When you look at verse, four, or verse 10 of chapter 4, look what it says. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have received your, revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Church, let me tell you something. There are so many opportunities for this New Testament church. We can't begin to cover them all, but God, if we could just do some of them to fulfill the gospel. Many opportunities, but here's what the problem is. We lack commitment. 
opportunities are abundance, but we lack commitment. When I looked at the word providence, the Latin word means pro, means before. The, the, the video is what the evidence, it means video, meaning to see. So it means before to see. Folks, let me say something. Life is not an accident. Life is an assignment. And we are on assignment here. This moment, right now, God has spared each and every one of us for such a time as this. He is undeniable promise. His protection will take care of us. Now, folks, I'll tell you, one of the best books I've read in the last 10 years is a book by, by a guy by the, uh, that, that runs our Lifeway Christian store up in Nashville, our Lifeway Resource Center up there. And, and Dr. Tom Raynard wrote a book called Simple Church. It was an amazing book. Now, not everything I liked about it, but I took it and it, I, look, I, liked, I liked it because it really defines us that sometimes we're just so busy doing church stuff amen I mean we're, we're, we're busy doing church stuff and we call that work when all it is we're just worn out I, I would rather us become a church that we we do the right thing let's be the church and not just do church amen it is time for the New Testament church to say take a deep evaluation and say are we going to be the church in Fairman, Georgia to reach this community for the cause of Christ or are we just going to continue to do church events? It is time for us to take a healthy evaluation simply looking say I want to be the church. If you miss next week's sermon I am going to spank you. I'm just telling you, it is an amazing, I'm telling you, I'm not bragging on my sermon, just God just reveals some things to me and it's all under this idea, let's be the vine, nothing more and nothing less. If we're connected to the source, the providence of God, protecting us, giving us all we need, we'll get the necessary nutrients and the power of God and we will bear much fruit. Church, until he calls us home. I know some of us are in here that have got some hair that's turned gray and some of it's turned loose. I understand that. I'm getting old too. But until God calls us home, then I believe he wants us to work for him, doing the right things, being divine, nothing more and nothing less. Being the branch, I mean. Not just doing church, but let's be the church, the undeniable providence that God gives each of us. Second principle for us today is the unfailing power of God comforts each of us during the demands of daily life. I've got a fairly busy schedule. My life sometimes is somewhat hectic. I, we run three areas. If you look on our website, our ministry is a three-legged animal. We do our transitional ministry the bulk of my work is preparing each week for the sermon and leading the church to, to get ready to receive the next senior pastor. I love this area of my ministry because I, now I don't go from church to church to church doing revivals and speaking engagements and conferences. I just pour life into one congregation for a set period of time, whatever that time may be, whatever God wants it to be. It could be long, it could be short, whatever. He's in complete control of that. I'm not. He's in control. I just say yes and I come do the work and work alongside you 
folks. And so that part of our ministry, then we have our whole international leg, the Center for Strategic Missions, where we, we are, are moving teams in and out of the United States to Central America, to Indonesia, to other areas. And we're helping them facilitate church, connecting churches to churches in Central America and around the world, doing the work of ministry and all of that component. It's real busy type work, getting airline tickets and all this kind of stuff and moving hundreds of people throughout the year. And I love that part, but it's so busy. And then we have the corporate chaplain side of our ministry. That's the other leg of our ministry, a third leg, where we pour life into businesses into the Birmingham area as a chaplain. And so I, you say, well, wow, man, aren't you something special? No, it just seems like I got so many things going on. There is a lot happening in our ministry. We must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to direct every aspect of that. We remind ourselves every morning in the office that we're gonna, we're gonna fall victim, we're gonna fall to the unfailing power of the Holy Spirit today and let him guide and direct our path. That's what he's saying in verse 11. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever I, circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live with prosperity. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Most of us have learned how to live with humble means because we get humbled when we get in trouble. Then we run to the Lord, don't we? We get in trouble, the first thing we do, oh Lord, I need some help, don't we? It's the prosperity that we haven't learned how to live with. I'm just gonna clear off a little spot here and just tell you right now, I believe beyond a shadow of doubt, prosperity preaching Prosperity, help, happiness, and prosperity preaching has done more damage for the gospel of, the G, of Jesus Christ than any preaching on adversity has ever done. I am convinced of that. You can have more, you can get more, you can want more. Just give a dollar or two, a hundred here, and get a thousand. I saw this on television just recently. One of these preachers on TV, and I'm not going to hear to bash him by name, but he said, send us a hundred dollars and we guarantee tenfold a thousand is going to come back. I came real close to writing him and say, I tell you what, I'm going to see how much you trust the Lord. Why don't you send me that thousand and then I'll send you a hundred bucks. How about that? I didn't do it, but I came real close, Miss Judy, doing that. I came real close to doing that. Prosperity preaching, prosperity has done more damage to believers and the Christian work than any adversity. J.B. Phillips translation of Philippians 4.13 says, I am ready for anything through the one, who, the, the strength of the one who lives within me. John 15 verse five says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. I have a close friend that's a missionary to Africa. He says, you can tell the Africans who are walking with the Lord because they always have a special place that they go out in the mornings to pray. And when their path that they go to the same place is beaten down, that means they have a consistent walk with the Lord. It's that when you walk by and you see their path has grown up, that means that they haven't, had their consistent time alone with the Lord. 
I'll never forget growing up. My grandfather was a great churchman, a great man of God. And many a time I'd go by my grandfather's house and to find him out in the tomato garden, not picking tomatoes. He was out there praying. Many a time I walked up behind him and I'd hear Pop down on his knees. Oh, God bless Dan and his ministry. Bless Barry and his ministry. Bless Dud and his ministry in Italy. Bless the, the work that they're doing. God, just praying over the church and asking God to, to raise him up at 70 plus years old to do the work of ministry. Not just do the work, but be the church on mission. Folks, let me tell you something. The undeniable providence of God gives to each and ever was to fulfill his great commission. The unfailing power of God comforts us during the most difficult days and the darkest days of our lives. And finally, the unchanging promise from God declares that he will supply every aspect. Every aspect. In verse 14, notice what it says. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction and you yourselves also Philippians that at the first preaching of the gospel after I departed from Macedonia no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving but you alone for even for even in Thessalonica you said to give for me more to me more than once for my needs not that I not that I seek the gift itself but I seek it for the profit which increases your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance and I'm amply supplied, have received from Ephroditus what you sent to me, the fragrant aroma, acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you notice what he's saying? He's saying, I've got everything I need. I can do all things through Christ. I've got all I need. And you, but you give. When you give, you're going to be blessed. That's why we're praying for other churches. That's why we're praying for our missionaries. That's why we give so that some may go. You may not need to be able to go, but you can give so those who are called to go can go. That's why it's important that we reach these high water marks called the Annie Armstrong offering, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that we continue to, to bless the church so that we can have ample supply to do the work of the Lord. The unchanging promise God declares that he will supply every need we have. Every need we have. We're not a big ministry, Dameron Ministries Incorporated. We're not. We're not. We've kept it kind of small for a reason. We just felt like there's really no need to have a bunch of staff because if times get rough, somebody's going to have to get laid off, and I don't want to lay anybody off. I laid Debbie off a couple of times, but I had to put her back on. She told me, she said, you're the, you're, the, you're the cheapest employee we've ever had. You really are. She said, you, you, she, said uh, she fires me about once a week, hires me back because she can't find anybody else that works as cheap as I do. So, but we are not a big ministry. We're really not. We've kept it simple because this is the way the Lord wanted us to do because we wanted to, to make sure that we, but you know what? In the 32 years of our ministry, and this is not boastful, this is fact, 32 years of our nonprofit organization, we have never not made budget. Never not made budget. We've given every dime that we said we designated as a ministry to give away, we've given it away, every dime. We have had the privilege of helping start seven churches in Honduras in the last 15 years and building six of those facilities. Helping these churches plant churches. 
And folks, you say, well, that's boastful. No, it's not. We have realized that the promise of God, when we said 32 years ago, God would go wherever, we would do whatever, that meant come to Fairburn, Georgia. When the door opened and the door opened, I said, yes, I'm coming to Fairburn, Georgia. I can't wait for the assignment that you have for me. Folks, I want to tell you right now, I'm probably more excited about me being here than y'all are excited about me being here. Don't say amen to that. That'll hurt my feelings. But I am excited because I've got this fantastic staff to work alongside these partners in ministry, these smart, articulate folk. I am so excited about working where we're headed in church. Folks, we understand that there are over 7,000 promises in the word of God for us to claim hold to. And what he is saying to the church today, he is saying to the church at Philippi, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Folks, if you think we can't afford it, then we're cheapening God, amen? Because we can do whatever God wants us to do because he's gonna supply the need. It's not ours, it is his, And all we are is a conduit. We're just the branch. Nothing more and nothing less. As we wrap up today, my challenge to you today, have you locked in? Have you locked into the unchanging promise from God? Have you nailed down and riveted into your heart and committed to the unfailing power of the Holy Spirit in your life to let you, to drive you, to direct you to be the branch? Nothing more and nothing less. Have you locked into the undeniable providence of God that he gives to us, the protection, knowing that if we surrender to his lordship, his promise is great His promise is forever. If not, would you? I I wrote one statement down at the bottom. When we do God's work, when God's work is done God's way for God's glory, it will not lack for God's supply. So my question is, will you say, you know what? We've never done it that way, but I'm willing to try. Will you say, you know what, I I get, maybe that's the way we did it 20 years ago. We're in a different society. I'm willing to try. Let's see if we can follow some of the exciting new thoughts that are opportunities are out there for us. Will you make that commitment today? And say, joyfully in my heart, I have a heart for one, and whatever it's gonna take for us to reach one more, I'm willing to try. And if it doesn't work, we can always go back. But I promise you folks, I've never, ever not seen it work. When we surrender to his lordship, letting him direct our steps each and every day. I posted last night after we found out the wonderful justice passed away one of the conservatives on the Supreme Court bench. We lost a champion on the Supreme Court in our government last yesterday. And that is a concern for our nation. But you know what? We have comfort because God is sitting on the greatest throne in the universe. So my question begs to us today, 
will you join me as we surrender to his lordship and let him direct our steps and lock into the promise that he will never leave us nor will he ever forsake us.